You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with me, Anna Charles. This is episode number 19. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop overdrinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hi, everybody. Another week, another episode. And today I want to actually... Um, answer a question that I get asked a lot um, by people who are you know really serious about changing their drinking habits whether they just want to drink less in one sitting they want to just cut back a bit or perhaps even they want to quit entirely that you know when they're on this journey they said you know, should I remove all the bottles from my house so let's say you drink wine you know should I remove all the wine from my house when I'm doing this I mean in the process and I want to say that, you know, a lot of people probably would answer yes. And in fact, it seems on the surface, a really sensible question to ask in the first place. I mean, there you are, you're doing something new, doing something maybe that you've failed at many times before, had to, you know, try to change drinking habits before, and therefore want to make this process as easy as possible. And therefore, by removing all the wine from the house, you are taking an active role in ridding yourself of temptation, right? So when you go to the fridge at six o'clock, you know, the wine won't be there. But what I would like to ask is, while that seems sensible, you know, where does that end? So if you're removing all the wine from the fridge, does this, you know, ridding yourself of temptation extend to not wanting perhaps your husband to drink around you? or that you don't want your friends to drink around you, or that you won't ever go and see your friends if there's going to be alcohol, and so on and so on, right? This is all about you trying to control the outside world. You're trying to control external circumstances. But even if you removed all alcohol and temptation from inside your home, you can't do that further afield. And think about it, alcohol is so normalised in our society. It's in bars and restaurants, of course, on the TV, in advertisements, it's in newspapers, it's in magazines, there's promo you know, slips and leaflets that are in magazines and newspapers, it's on birthday cards, it's everywhere. So if you can only succeed at your at drinking, at, you know, you're changing your drinking habit by controlling your external environment, you'd never go anywhere. But I don't recommend this approach. Not only because, frankly, it's just not conceivable that you'd remove all temptation from you at every step of the way when you're out in your life. By removing temptation like this, it's kind of like you're putting all the control on the alcohol. It's a way of saying that you're powerless in the face of alcohol and therefore the only way you're going to change is to remove all temptation. What I want to offer is that you don't need to control the outside world. I mean, even if it were possible, you don't need to. There's a huge difference between what I'll call a circumstance and how you interpret and react to that circumstance. So a circumstance is really anything outside of you. It's neutral, it's a provable fact. For instance, there are two bottles of wine in the fridge. I drank four glasses of wine last night. My friend told me I drank too much last night. Right, so those things are all circumstances. They all happened. It can be proven. So that's one thing. But then there's how you interpret the circumstance that makes all the difference. 
consider those three re revisited another way. There are two bottles of my absolute favorite wine in the fridge. I lost the plot last night and drank four glasses, not two, which really goes to show that I'm never gonna learn how to do this. My friend said I drank too much and he's absolutely right. Now see how those last three statements are loaded with emotion and judgment and recognizing this is critical because how you interpret a situation becomes your story about it and your story about something influences exactly how you feel and how you act. Let me give you an example of how this could play out. Right, I used to love French Chablis and white wine, crisp white wine. Oh my gosh, it was my all-time favorite, so yummy. But I never ever liked drinking whiskey. Thought it was yuck. Went on whiskey tasting things, never really enjoyed it, never drank very much of it. Now just imagine if me back in the day, if I went into a bar and they had free French Chablis on tap all night long, right? You don't have to pay a thing, drink as much as you like, like drink as, what is it, eat all you can eat, so it's all you can drink. Sign me up, that would have been my response. Now consider you go into a bar and they have a similar offer, but it's for whiskey, all, whiskey all night long, right? Free, the, the most single malt, the highest, you know, most valuable, most revered whiskey in the world. You can have as much as it you like for free, right? Normally it would cost 50 quid a shot. Now it's nothing. Nothing would have induced me to have taken them up on the offer, right? Now it's the same circumstance, the same situation. There's free drink being offered in a bar all night long, or you can drink, but it was my thoughts about the drink that determined how I felt and therefore determined how I acted. So in the example of the free Chablis in the restaurant, that is triggering all my feelings of desire, bringing up all that emotion. Yes, my brain would be saying in that time, yes, where the, where's the wine? You know, pour me the wine, pour me the wine. I can't get enough of this. I'm gonna drink all night. It really wants that reward of the wine. But with the whiskey, my brain wasn't being triggered by desire because I was thinking different thoughts about it. I wasn't thinking, bring it on. I was thinking, yuck. You know, that stuff always stinks. I mean, I just can't, it just, it's too bitter and too sharp, just don't like it. So it was easy to not feel the desire. So it was easy to not drink it. In fact, I would never even consider it. Now there could be someone else in that same restaurant who adores whiskey and would want to, you know, do the equivalent of me with the French wine, would want to take the restaurant up on it and drink loads and loads and loads and think it was just the best night ever. Same circumstance, restaurant offering free whiskey, different reactions. You see, so it's all down to how you think about the drink. You are the one in control. Fundamentally, you are in control. Even if you tell yourself you aren't, you absolutely are. I've just proven that to you. So if I can not feel the desire for whiskey, right? It was possible I could not feel the desire for white wine. That was a real moment for me. It was really important because it was another way of me proving to myself that I am in control, not the alcohol. The alcohol just sits there. The alcohol is totally neutral. It isn't the most delicious thing ever and it's not the wickedest thing ever, right? It's not that the Chablis is yummy. That's a fact, right? Everybody thinks the Chablis is yummy and that the whiskey is disgusting, right? So the whole world thinks whiskey is disgusting. No, it just depends on your view of it. 
which is another way of saying it depends on your thoughts about it and how you think about it will determine how you feel and therefore ultimately how you act and in this case whether you will want to drink it or not. Your actions are totally dependent on how you're feeling about something which is really good news because you're the one who's doing the feeling. Right? So I could be surrounded by people in that bar drinking this sort of up the ante a little bit here. Not only is it for free, but I could be surrounded by people drinking the free whiskey, telling me this is the best thing ever. Wow, we're so lucky to be here. And it would still make no difference. Just And it would still make no difference because I have no desire because I'm not a whiskey drinker. Now, when I learned that it was all to do with my thoughts and ultimately my decisions about the drink, I realised it made no difference whether I kept wine at home or not. So removing all the alcohol from the house simply wasn't necessary because after all, I was the one with the power. It was well within my remit. I could think thoughts like, oh, it's so good. I love that. And in fact, those were the thoughts about the wine that I was thinking almost automatically. Or I could have the thought, I don't want to drink that. Or I could have the thought, I don't want to drink that right now. You know, if I wanted to make it a little easier for myself. Or I could think nothing about it at all. I mean, the wine is there and I don't, didn't even think anything about it. In fact, that's what this state I have achieved where it doesn't even occur to me to even spend a nanosecond thinking about that there might be wine in the fridge. I have no idea if there's wine in the fridge or not, you know, couldn't care less about it. And so grasping that these are the thoughts that's driving how I interpret and react in the world, grasping this was, was so revolutionary for me. And if I can do it, then by golly, you can do it too. And you can in fact start this right away. And the, what I'd encourage you to do is just get really, really curious about these thoughts that you have about whichever you know is the drink of your uh, that you prefer because for now for me to go into a bar and not drink wine is spectacularly easy it gives me such joy to even still re- replay that to myself it still feels like a miracle frankly but it really isn't it's so achievable but before then I had to make the shift it's not easy I will say that you know expect that it's not going to be easy but it's simple I have a process I lead my clients through and I support them through it. It is simple. But at the moment, you see, what's easy for you is to automatically drink, to have the thought, I like, you know, have the wine, let the desire feeling come up, and then you answer that feeling with a drink. So to change that, to do the reverse, is going to take that much more effort. It takes more effort to make something not automatic, right? And that's, that's hard. But it starts with getting to know your triggers. So that's where I would advise you to start, get to know your triggers. When you reach for the wine at six o'clock, what are you feeling, right? And you know, don't go into the, oh, I'm just feeling so terrible and I really, really need this. Really go into really what are you feeling, right? So how is your body? How are you feeling in your body? What is the emotion that, that is that it's sort of the predominant motion? Now you might have a few, write them all down. Try and figure out what is the thought about the wine in that moment that's propelling you to drink. Could be something as simple as I want that or I like that or, you know, I've had a hard day or I deserve this. This will calm me down. I can't wait for the buzz. Find the thought. Now, this will feel strange. One of the reasons why I encourage people to do this is it slows things down a little bit. It's a way of interrupting the what I call the drink reward loop where you have the thought that you want the drink and then you answer that 
desire by drinking. Now, it doesn't even matter, by the way, if you don't catch this before you've had the drink. Sometimes people, especially in the early days, they'll have one or two glasses and think, my goodness, I was meant to you know, be trying to figure out what my thoughts were. Do it after the fact. Do it as close to that moment as you can. And this will feel strange because you've got so used to doing the drinking thing automatically without much conscious thought. But the more you get used to slowing this down, the more you get used to observing yourself, kind of like, you know, you're a bit scientific, try and step outside of yourself almost and look at you through through a third person's eyes and say, you know, what's going on? What, what are you thinking? If you write down those thoughts, those are the thoughts that are triggering you, triggering you to drink. These are the thoughts that are triggering you to take the action of drinking. And you'll see that very clearly. In fact, it's actually amazing. I remember having moments where I think, wow, no wonder I've been drinking. If anyone was thinking these thoughts, they would want to drink too, right? So it's all about, and you're in the in the moment of temptation, you're in, in the moment of the urge, try and back it up and figure out what's going on and, and not to be afraid of it, right? To, as I said just now, it's not necessarily gonna be easy, but I almost encourage people to run towards this because the more you can experience, the quicker, you can figure out what's happening and then the quicker you can unpick it. I knew someone, for instance, who was trying to lose weight. She loved, loved, loved Danish pastries. So what she would do sometimes is she'd go and sit in a particular cafe where they did the most divine Danish pastries. She'd go and sit in there on purpose just to sit there and just to feel all the urges, just so that she could then figure out and and inquire and be curious about what was going on. What was she thinking and what was she feeling when there was the urge? And back in the day, I used to do something similar. So I would go into a bar to basically allow myself to get triggered, to feel triggered, to be there, to look at the wine. And I would do that so I could inspect my thoughts. And then when I had that urge to drink, inspect my thoughts and figure out what was going on. This gave me intelligence, this gave me information that gave me to help me to get to the root of it so that I could then start to rewire those thoughts and actually start thinking things that would drive intentionally a different action. And if you do this, right, it might feel scary at first. I mean, this reminds me a little bit of when I was at school and we were doing athletics, we're doing the hurdling, when we were up to a certain age. we would hurdle over what was basically a very very flimsy cane that was just about held on two other canes right so you basically a gust of wind would blow the thing over and the idea was that if you're running there and then you did you know whatever the funny skip thing you had to do and then you did the hurdle if you caught the cane with the toe if you didn't raise your leg high enough okay you'd hit it down but you wouldn't get injured right it was no big deal and then we moved up to senior school and then we started using the proper hurdles, you know, the real heavy things with, the, I think they had a metal base and certainly had really thick wood. You hit one of those, it would hurt, right? This was proper scary. So you train on kind of like the baby hurdles and then you move on to the real McCoy. But despite doing this, there still came a point when we had to transfer from the simple one to the real one. Like there's still that, that, that point of transformation that you just have to, you had to sort of work through, but knowing, having had the technique of this, the simple hurdles, it meant, you know, the transition was a little bit easier. So it, but it is scary. So I'm sure that you're gonna want to avoid situations where you're triggered. And this comes back to the, the top of the podcast, 
know, should you remove all the alcohol from the house? Because the idea is that that's triggering. But, but being triggered, that really is where the learning is. To really start to investigate what's driving your desire to drink. And it might not be what you think it is. But if you do it with courage and compassion, you'll start to find the answers that are going to be the key to unlocking how you can go about changing your view of alcohol and your view of yourself so that you 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 become the person who drinks exactly the amount that you want to drink rather than than somebody who doesn't know how to stop. And remember, back on the topic of control, every drink is in fact a decision. In fact, every sip is a decision. At first, it may be an unconscious decision, right? We do drink often automatically because we've trained ourselves to do that. But nevertheless, these are all decisions. And that you are in control always. Even when you probably tell yourself you aren't, you absolutely are. Now, being successful at rewiring your drinking also involves being able to manage the urges that do come up. So again, that back to the, the person who would go and sit in the in the bakery, you know, she couldn't just sit there and feel completely triggered. It was also then involved in understanding how to manage and and handle and allow the urges that came. So in the case of, of you, this would be the case of training yourself to not drink, right, when the urge comes along. But all of that's for another episode. That now that's there's a lot more to say about managing urges but for now start just to get really inquisitive about your thoughts so you don't need to remove all the booze from the home because you are in control right this is exactly the kind of thing I help my clients with and it's something I can help you with too is if you'd like to stop over drinking or even quit entirely it's absolutely possible to do this with an open bottle of wine in the fridge So there you go. You don't need to remove all the bottles from the house. Now, if this podcast resonates with you, I can tell you 100% that I can help you too. Email me on anna at 90dayslater.co. We can set up a free consultation call. Well, we'll talk about where you are right now, where you want to be. And on that call, I'll actually also build the exact plan you need to help you achieve your goals. And it will be simple, I promise. So if that's of interest to you, message me on anna at 90dayslater.co. Otherwise, get curious about those thoughts when you have that desire to drink and I'll see you next week. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.